the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie. And you're very welcome back to The Hard Shoulder. This is Sinead Ryan sitting in for Kieran today. And it's that time of the week when Tom joins. And it's that time of the week when Tom Dunn joins us to talk about the week in music. Now, first up, take a listen to this. Okay, well, that was about 30 seconds too much of that. Uh, A little bit of daft punk there, Tom. And we played it because... Uh, I'm delighted to say they've announced their retirement. <laughs> Tell us why. Yes, um, they got your memo and <laughs> they decided to take on board your advice and they've split up. Um, and they want me to apologise on their behalf to you for, for upsetting you in the past. So, um, yes, would you believe, Sinead, that they, this week in all the papers, have been described as the most influential band of the 21st century. Agree. And even I... Honestly, yeah, even I took that, you know, thinking, really? Because they're kind of, because they don't do much publicity and they, and they hide behind helmets, they wear helmets all the time. A bit like Blind Boy, nobody really knows what they look like. Um, so they're able to live their own lives perfectly normally, go to the supermarket, go out, not get recognised, which is brilliant. But when they released the Homework album in 1997, it had a thing on it, which if you hear it, you'll recognise it immediately. It's where they kind of fade the bass out so the track gets really thin suddenly. It's really interesting to hear. And that had a, a huge effect on music. And people like Madonna started to copy it. It, it be, reached a point where you couldn't turn on a record without hearing that in it. And that all came from Daft Punk. And then in 2001, they released Discovery. And on this one, they used autotune on the vocals. And at the time, that was seen, if you're a really bad singer, you need to use autotune. But they kind of said, actually, it sounds great on its own. And now you literally can't turn on the radio without hearing an autotune vocal. And very proudly, auto-tuned as well. But then it was their 2006 tour, which everyone credits as launching um, electronic dance music in the States. Literally, when they played Coachella, the American electronic dance scene Mm. more or less started the next day. It was was as dramatic as that. And then the huge one... um, they had One More Time, huge hit. You must have liked One More Time, Sinead. Come on. <laughs> well, there must have been moments when you danced there, One More Time. There are, there are, and there's a couple of songs I do like. Like, I, I, they, they wrote a song called Within, which is a lovely, introspective, kind of um, a slow number, and it's really, really nice. Uh, and they had that tie-up. They did a, 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 a duet with Pharrell Williams, didn't they? Yes, they did. Um, they, they, I, I found their music just wonderful. And a thing that I, I loved about them, they would kind of sample people that weren't regarded as Barry Manilow, for instance, they sampled. And after they sampled them, you would just think, actually, it is cool now mm. that you say it. And if they did nothing else, they went back to the music of Chic and they brought that forward. And Get Lucky is more or less a Chic song, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. And they opened up the whole world to once again recognise what an absolutely amazing band Chic are. And how that kind of, that bass and drums thing they invented many, many moons ago is just, it's the essence of all dance music these days. So they really were very influential and and I loved them. But, you know, they won't be troubling you anymore, Sinead. <laughs> all right. Well, you mentioned Coachella there briefly, Tom. But um, festivals, I mean, God, I can't remember the last one I was at. <laughs> it seems like so long ago. But they could be on the way back, um, particularly I, yeah. in the UK. 
Yeah, I'm amazed by this. Festival Republic have announced that the Reading and Leeds Festival will be happening in late August. Melvin Benn, who we know on this side of the water for his involvement with the Electric Picnic, he has said yes, that based on the UK's roadmap to recovery, that he can see no reason why the festival wouldn't go ahead in late August. It's still, they don't have insurance, but he's saying they can sort that out in the upcoming budget All right. in the UK. They've announced a lineup: Liam Gallagher, Queen's the Stone Age, Stormzy, they all sound great. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it just seems to go from where we are now to a mosh pit in August. That it just seems, seems a, a bit of a reach. And I mean, in terms of yeah. the numbers, like how may, what would you be talking? Would we have to dance in those plastic bubbles, do you think? I, I, you can't do that. So it, it, I don't know, it, it, it loads. It just doesn't make sense to me. It just how can you will social distancing still be a thing or is that going to be gone? And, you know, how restricted are you talking the normal? There's loads and loads of questions, not the least of which is how Brexit is going to play because that will be the, the first post-Brexit festival. Indeed. So how will that go? Yeah, and there's a lot of musicians, of course, both sides of the pond giving out about that because of the, you know, the even the transportation and moving equipment and getting things across yeah. borders. And that's going to continue to be huge problems for touring artists. Hopefully that will be addressed. Hopefully that's one of those things that we will look down, look back on and see as a kind of a, yeah. you know, a little, uh, you know, a bump in the road that that quickly got fixed. Because obviously it's in nobody's interest for bands not to be able to tour and tour quite easily. You can't go back to that situation and say you've made progress. So indeed, well we'll find out now if we see fifty thousand people. Bopping away in August in the UK. We'll be looking for the same here, I'm sure. Um, oh, okay. How jealous yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't wait. God All right. We wouldn't almighty. care who's headlining. Just book us a ticket and get us out there into a tent. Right, Tom. Uh, now, next up, uh, your album of the week. And this is an artist that I really, really do like. Let's hear a bit. And of course, that was David Gray and uh, a new album out, Skellig. Uh, Tom, anything to do with our own Skelligs? Yeah, I think in many ways inspired by by Skellig's beauty and Skellig's isolation, because this is an isolation album. I, I do feel a little bit of sympathy, a lot of sympathy for David, because when he announced that the White Ladder album at the end of 2019 was going mm. to get reissued for its 20th, he announced one date in the O2 and it sold out in a heartbeat and then a second date was added and it sold out and a date and I think it went as far as five dates in the end and it was turning into the biggest tour of his career and then lo and oh. behold arrived in comes COVID so yeah. so he was he must have been devastated by that and his band and everyone works for him and everyone was you know looking forward to this big huge chunk of work in their lives but um, like other people like Taylor Swift he, he's withdrawn and, and this is a very introspective record and there's a track about Dunleary and looking out in the harbour in Dunleary and, and oh, contemplating right. where we all are and yes I tell you but it is that question one of his best albums. Um, I, I loved White Ladder and I wasn't as mad about a lot of stuff that came after that. This I, I am mad about again. I'm kind of back in love with David Gray on the strength of this. So he's always had a beautiful voice. Whatever's gone on in his world, the songs just seem stronger than before. Yeah. And David Gray fans, this is an absolute beauty. So And actually, he announced on Twitter, I saw today that he's uh, doing a live of the album tomorrow evening. And uh, you can buy tickets for that. So maybe people who want to tune in, albeit not for real, virtually and uh, and maybe get a sense of of some of the songs there. Do you know, Sinead, when he before he did White Ladder, things weren't going well for him. 
And he sat down with his wife and they had a heart to heart conversation. And he was saying, like, maybe I should quit this. And she said, no, you can't, David, you can't. And they remortgaged the house to pay for the recording of the White Ladder album. Mm. Oh, right. OK. And I you see there's a shot in the army. Yeah. I'm interested in how artists who thrive on feedback and a crowd and a bigger the crowd, the better have been coping during lockdown. And I suppose for some, they've become more creative, just keeping the head down and writing. And then for others, they're completely lost without it. Yeah, I think we'll only find out how lost when it all ends, mm. to be honest. Mm. Um, because if they if they are lost at the moment, they're not going to raise their hands and tell people. Indeed. So. OK, well, in lieu of a gig, of course, this week, uh, let's have a listen to what you do have for us. Oh, I do like that. That was Seamash. Oh, good. Who released a new track from their EP. Now, Tom, do you like this one? Yeah, now I have to point out that it, this is a girl and they're her initials, Kira Mary Alice Thompson. Um, that's what she goes by. And I love this girl. And she is, it has to be said, a COVID artist. She didn't exist before COVID arrived. Ah. She released her first single last April. So her, her entire career has been encapsulated during the COVID era. And she's an absolute breath of fresh air. I've had her on the show. She's into people like Kirsty McCall, Dolly Parton, Glenn Campbell, Charlie Pride. On the on recording this single, she asked her producer, Ollie, that she wanted a song that was a mix of ABBA doing a spaghetti western soundtrack. <laughs> and I love that. Right. And she's very funny on Twitter. She's very self-aware, uh, but the lyrics are absolutely great. There's a lyric in this where she says, I just spent seven hours looking at old pics of me trying to pinpoint where the B began. Somewhere after the Passion of Christ and before I had an Instagram. Very good <laughs> indeed. She's witty. She's oh, she's a real star. I think she's just a star quality about her. And speaking of dates, I think she's based in the UK these, these days. She is Irish, but um, oh, she's announced loads of London dates and they've all sold out. They've all sold out. Oh, good for her. So That's fantastic. They're for October. Yeah. yeah oh, watch fingers her. crossed. Seamat. Fingers she's brilliant. Crossed. All right. OK. And your tip of the week, Tom. Paul McCartney said he's releasing a book called The Lyrics, 1956 to, to the present day. He said he's not a man who keeps diaries, but he does write songs. And if you name one of those songs to him, he can tell you what he was doing that day, where he was, who he was with and he wrote it, all that kind of stuff. So this is a book where he takes all of those things, those stories and tells them, goes through his lyrics. And it's like it's like an autobiography, but the biography of Paul McCartney told in his songs. And that's due out in November. And I'd like a copy for Christmas, Oh, please. I think that'll be on running off the shelves at, at Christmas. Yeah. I think he's got an awful lot to say. OK, well, listen, t Tom, as ever, thank you for all of that. Uh, mixed review for me from some of them, but <laughs> no doubt. Well, <laughs> no doubt there are uh, fans out there for all of the of the music that you brought to us this week. And thanks a million for joining us on The Hard Shoulder. Thanks, Sinead. Coming up, we have our Thursday interview. And today it's with food and wine critic Tom Dorley. He wasn't always a restaurant critic and I'll be delving into his past lives. But first, we have the news with Eamon. <laughs>